Hey there. Welcome back. It's Brian with the Dealership Fix-It Podcast. Hey, you're on episode number 49, and today I've got somebody joining me from, you probably know them, Garage Composites. So uh, obviously, you know, Garage Composites as a uh, 20 group and uh, obviously a training company, company that's uh, all about finding ways to make your dealership operate maximum efficiencies. Um, so... Today's program, we're going to talk, I've got Steve Dodds, we're going to talk about comp plans. Um, I don't know who's jazzed about comp plans exactly, but I can tell you that I've gotten several requests so far in this year for comp plans. So I wanted to talk to some guys that have experience with uh, what considerations go into how you do a comp plan. I know there's, uh, it's like, uh, maybe like all the options of uh, trying to get the right lottery numbers or whatever, but the different considerations that go behind it are obviously important. And uh, I've got Steve Dodds here with experience in that area to kind of talk about what you need to consider um, and where you need to start. So, Steve, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you for joining us, guys. I um, wanted to take a second and introduce myself. So um, if you don't know who, who I am, my name is Steve Dodds. And um, I grew up overseas in South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa. Um, raced motocross and, uh, with my dad and really that, that's what got me hooked on, uh, on motorcycles. Um, didn't really think of making a career in it to start with, but, um, came back to the States and, um, thought, you know, I was going to be an architect, um, nice. had big dreams. Yeah. Being Frank Lloyd Wright, man, that was like, <laughs> you know, my dream, right. Uh-huh. Um, had a friend that worked in the, the, uh, motorcycle industry as a salesperson and um, thought, you know, I'll give that a give that a shot. Um, worked with that uh, the dealership that I went to work for. Worked there for about ten years. Um, uh, moved to Denver and worked at a dealership here. And I just kind of got to know Sam and Tony um, and the guys that worked uh, DJ Stringer, the the guys that worked at RPM Group, and um, had the opportunity when I left that dealership to go work for them in two thousand six. Um, yeah, I've been doing consulting ever since then. I uh, joined Garage Composites in 2015 um, when Sam and Tony joined together and opened the company. So, um, you know, a good amount of just the reason I bring that, you know, a good amount of experience in the dealerships and, and what we're going to talk about today, there's a lot of trial and error behind this um, and getting, you know, kind of pulling together best practices and, um, you know, figuring out what works, what doesn't work. So, Well, I'm glad you you know, willing to give me the time to, to chat about these sort of things. Um, you may or may not know this. I don't know if we talked about it, but I've, uh, I don't have to play the dumb guy and ask you the different questions because I've never been in a, well, for one, I've never been, uh, my roles in a dealership. I never once was anybody involved at the level where I got to go to a 20 group meeting. So I've got plenty of my uh, clients through the years that I've interacted with that share, uh, what they did, what they learned, all these great things about it. But I don't have to play dumb. This is really me not knowing. So these things that I'm asking you about, um, I don't know. Um, so I can kind of kind of play the the part of uh, someone who's who really doesn't know because that's me. Uh, but in uh, the sort of the considerations that go into a pay plan, you know, I think this is a really important one, and I was glad to be able to talk to you about it today. 
because as we come close to the end of the year, um, I'd had, you know, uh, multiple requests through the year, which is great. If somebody tells me what they want, let me go and try to figure out where, who to talk to about it. Uh, but even in the organization I work for, this is the time of year they roll out the new comp plan, right? So mm-hmm. wrapping your head around it, uh, change is scary, those sort of things. Everybody knows that. Uh, but the, the great news, I think it's a great opportunity for anybody if you're just trying to implement comp plans and pay plans. Um, or if you have to reconfigure uh, and, and look at these different motivators and why you're doing it. So um, maybe what's uh, what's the, you know, um, what's your basic uh, starting point? You know, where do you go from first consideration? So the best thing to do, you know, just, just to start out with, what do I need to pay to get the right person? All right. So I need to really do a little bit of market research and figure out, okay, well, you know, what do I need to pay to get a good sales manager? or a parts manager in my area. And that this is where cookie cutter pay plans start to fall apart right off the bat because a cookie cutter pay plan you get from your, you know, some say somebody in California is going to have a totally different end goal <laughs> paying somebody a totally different amount of money. Um, and that's really where you got to start is what do I need to pay to get the right person? Okay. Um, so after that, you know, the biggest consideration is for that position, what, what does that person control? You know, what, what do I want to see them um, doing with their time? Uh, what do I want to see them paying attention to? Because pay plans always drive behaviors. And that's, that's one of the big things we see with the 20 clubs is um, if, you, if you have a pay plan that makes somebody pay attention to something, they pay attention to it, mm-hmm. right? So um, if their pay plan is primarily designed around holding margin, they're going to be really good at holding margin. <laughs> you know? Now you might have an inventory problem because they're not paying attention to that because their pay plan tells them, you know, they get paid more if they hold more margin. Um, so it's kind of figuring out what, what they control um, and what they need to pay attention to. So um, to kind of give you, give you an example, if we're talking about like a sales manager, for instance, um, the big things I want that sales manager to pay attention to is I want them to pay attention to vehicle margin and volume, which really vehicle margin and volume comes down to profit in the department, right? If I get more volume, um, that increases profit. If I get more margin, it increases profit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can kind of boil it down to that. I want them to pay attention to F&I profitability. So that's basically your, your per unit sold in F&I. And it's whether the deals primarily are financed or cash. So that ultimately affects the amount of income you have in F&I. I want to make sure they're controlling inventory. So in some way, we encompass um, floor plan payments into their pay plan. So if your floor plan goes up, it should affect negatively affect their pay plan. Floor plan goes down, it should positively affect it. Um, Staffing levels, payroll. Um, your sales manager should absolutely be in control of um, the payroll, how, how the people are paid, and if they're being effective with their time, which is ultimately going to generate more income, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then things like leads generated, you know, are we keeping the funnel full? Um, how is that, um, how does that affect the pay plan ultimately? So really, we've got three different categories. So you've got income, that they control, you've got expenses that they control, 
and you've got other behaviors that are ultimately going to create more um, opportunity or more productivity within the department. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, obviously, you know, you're talking that that third bullet point at least is you know you're, you're well in within those you've got a bit of a carrot and stick. Um, approach. You have to have a balanced, you know, at some level or, or depending on the individual might have to accentuate one side of that equation or the other, but yeah, you've got yeah, income, income expenses, and then the behaviors to be able to ultimately affect those day to day, minute to minute, right? The person that's, that's going to be there on the ground who can see those filter it through the pay plan and understand, um, plus or minus, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, if we're and, and we can go through a couple other examples. So different different departments that um, uh, different departments we might want to look at. So if we're developing a pay plan for, say, a salesperson, um, the income end is of course the sales they generate. Um, the expenses um, might be uh, well, actually, on a, let me back up. On a salesperson, you really don't have a whole lot of expenses that they're directly responsible for. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, except maybe, well, damage to a unit. <laughs> you know, okay. If you're pushing stuff in and out, and they drop something. Yeah. Um, that might, you know, somehow affect their um, their pay plan. It depends on you know what your state allows, of course. Um, the big thing with salespeople is we want to look at their behaviors. So a lot of pay plans with salespeople, you know, income is going to be a bit of it. Expense isn't really going to be a whole lot, but the behavior piece is where you're going to really focus on with them. So with salespeople, one of the things that we see our dealers do is push for a certain number of greets on the traffic log or um, a certain number of customer interactions every single day. And what we know is that if we require um, five transactions or sorry, five greets a day from each salesperson, that ultimately five greets becomes one sale. Um, With your closing ratio at 20%, five greets is going to become one sale. So we can hold the salespeople to certain behaviors. And that's what we really want to pay them on is um, some version of, you know, how much activity they have, how many greets they get. Um, And that could positively or negatively influence their paycheck. So a couple different ways I see that done is um, maybe you pay the salespeople a certain dollar amount for every greet they put on the traffic log. And that becomes part of their base pay. Or um, in order to participate in any SPIF programs that we may put out there for the salespeople, they have to hit their five greets a day. So every one of these pay plans is really based on just those three things, income, expenses, and behaviors. And that's really what you want. The, the, the most successful pay plans out there, that's what we see. Um, and it's all balancing that to figure out what's going to drive what you want out of that department. Um, so I know in, um, Brian, in our conversations before you said you had some experience on the parts and service side. Yeah. The majority of my time at dealership was in those departments. Okay. So what would be, I mean, what would be your big drivers on, uh, let's say in the parts department, um, or the service department? Um, what would be the big income drivers that you'd want to track there? Um, well, if you're in, well, in uh, both of those, it's obviously the, the parts sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you said income drivers. So what's pushing money to the cash register is what you're talking about there, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, 
Well, obviously you've got an inventory, you know, the same way as up front. You've got an inventory to be concerned about what's my inventory look like, but obviously you've got in which they can be incentivized. I imagine to keep that on the, on the trend where it's selling through, but yeah, it's ringing the cash register. Uh, but from my days, like as a parts manager, um, I'm trying to think of what these same things overlaid would look like. Yeah. Expenses wise, you know, these are hourly guys instead of maybe full commission guys. So you've got uh, scheduling to be concerned with. Yeah. Um, well, and that's, that's why I wanted to turn around and just ask you, cause this is, this is yeah. a tricky part to start with, right? With your, um, if you're the manager designing a pay plan, like what do we want to really take into account? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're talking about, if we're talking about inventory, we can look at, um, uh, OBS, which is your, uh, obsolescence. Yeah. Right. So we can look at, um, you know, if a certain percentage of your inventory is over one year old, then maybe there's a penalty for that because there's an expense to that, whether it's realized at the cash register or not. Right. There's definitely an expense. So that should negatively affect the parts manager's, you know, um, paycheck. That should mm-hmm. go against them somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, things like light items per ticket. That's one that we track in the oh, composite. Oh, that's a great one. Oh, that's a great one. Right? I love that. That that now that brings me back to standing at the counter and being like, "You could have sold him. He had a hundred dollar bill in his wallet. <laughs> you could, yep. I saw it when he pulled his thing out. You, you could have sold him at least three or four more things." And and that's a behavior. So that goes back. That's not only income, but that's also a behavior. So that's a yep. behavior we need to manage. So yep. um, a lot of parts managers, um, and in particular parts counter people, um, will have a BIF or a, a percentage, maybe an increased percentage on what they get paid based on hitting a certain goal for a uh, line items per ticket. So it's, it's really figuring out what is going to drive that position's uh, behaviors that you want and paying them on that, you know, um, which yeah. is what I find so interesting about pay plans. Like they're totally not cookie cutter. No, I you know, can see that. And I can see, yeah, you're right. Now that I think about it, depending on the, it's so individual that I can imagine yeah. a guy who used to work for me in a parts department who no matter what you asked him to do, he ended up back sitting on the, on the stool at the parts counter. And I was always like, dude, we got a lot to do. You know, that's here. You, you, here's the list. And the list ended up going, you know, down this long list of check this, check that. If you've got nothing to do, in other words, if you're not working with a customer or got a project you're working on, go through this list of regular things. And then before you could sit on the stool, you had to come back and ask me if there's anything that needs to be done. <laughs> so yep. so oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I get it having been a parts kid for a while and then and then managing department. Um, uh, I love this. So far, let's we're going to keep this whole thing short and sweet. I know that you, I don't have a lot of your time, which I, I appreciate it. Let's grab a quick commercial break. Uh, stick around. What I want to come back and talk about is things like base pay. Do you do it? Do you not do it? Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll come back in just a moment. All right. Hey, we're back. I'm back with Steve Dodds here. We're from Garage Composites, and we're kind of reviewing a pay plan and, and these sort of pieces. And before the break, there we were talking about different uh, different behaviors, different things on, uh, you know, obviously that's what we're talking about in, in general is we're incentivizing certain behaviors and and not or or disincentive <laughs> to things you don't want to happen. Right? You're you're, you're working the, the as I always say to keep it simple, it's just a carrot and stick. It's a you know better worse. Um, you know, 
how do you determine, you know, what, you know, on behaviors, how do you determine levels of performance? I mean, where do you, where do you start with? So it's, um, and actually you started to say, or at least I thought you started to say something, working their pay plan. I want to touch on that real quick. Yeah. I want, if I do this correctly, if I go through the exercise of creating the right pay plan, I, and the person is working their pay plan, then they're going to do exactly what I want. And that's really the goal when it comes down to it is I want the, whoever it is I'm paying to work their pay plan. Um, so absolutely. And then the next step in that, like you said, is, is levels of performance. So I need to set my pay plan to pay them appropriately. Um, for the level of performance that I need out of that position. And part of that is setting expectations. Um, and part of that is just the raw number. So for argument's sake, we're just going to, I'm going to throw out some numbers and, you know, we'll work with those. So, um, if we're talking about the sales manager specifically, um, let's say that we're, we're wanting to see a thousand dollars profit for each vehicle sold. Um, and then we're going to sell 40 vehicles that month, right? Very simply, that's $40,000 we should generate. Mm-hmm. Um, F&I profit, if we want to see on the metric side, the metric side, an acceptable amount of profit from the F&I department would be $500 per unit sold. That doesn't include doc. Um, on that same 40 units, that's another 20000 If you're on the Harley side or uh, heavier street bikes, um, you're going to see that number jump up quite a bit. So um, $1,500 in the Harley side is, is pretty much a standard. If you can't do $1,500 in per unit sold on the F&I side, um, you should find something else to do. Uh, <laughs> that's absolutely doable. And times that same 40 units, you're looking at 60000 right? So what you want to do is come up with what the initial, um, the initial stuff that we looked at as far as vehicle margin, F&I profit, uh, floor plan for the inventory and payroll, put some hypothetical numbers to those and see where you come out at. So if you come out with a hundred thousand dollars that that person should be able to generate in their department, then that's what we want to do our math on. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So, um, from there you want to also decide before you really get into percentages, you know, what, what kind of base pay, if any, do you want to have for that position? Um, some, some dealerships, you know, just have a base because they're, um, well, especially like in the very, uh, the seasonal areas of our country. So, um, the Northeast, if you're specifically a street vehicle dealer, um, you're going to have a huge drop off, right? If you are, uh, kind of in the the middle of the country, you're going to have a little more, uh, steady season. So maybe you don't need to pay as much of a base or if you're in an area that just is like California is pretty much always in season, right? <laughs> on road, off road, something yep. is in season. Unless it's fire season, right? Yeah. That's fire the, season. That's the bad season. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's kind of figuring out that's one of those factors you want to see, you know, how seasonal is my business? Do I really need to pay a base? Because the more base you pay, ultimately the less commission you're going to be able to pay. And, um, ultimately if I have a really good salesperson or a really good manager, they are going to thrive and when they have more opportunity, more upside. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't want to give a ton of base if I don't have to, because that limits the amount of upside that that person can really have. Right. And um, so that's kind of the balance. That's, that's the first thing I want to think about, like what kind of base do I need to pay? Um, and then you can get into the, the percentages you need to pay on to get the desired, um, to get up to the desired salary. Okay. So kind of, it's really, at this point, we're looking at two parts. We're looking at your base pay, and then we're looking at what percentage of the profit that's generated do I need to um, pay you in order to get to the, the dollar amount that you need to make. So um, at that point, the other thing you want to take into account uh, before you really set your percentage is I want to hold back a little bit because I want to be able to incentivize or bonus the manager, um, whether it's at the end of the year, uh, or if it's a salesperson, I want to hold uh, competitions and make sure that I have other little drivers, little things I can throw in spiff, spiff for selling an older vehicle or, um, for hitting a certain monthly goal. We want to have a little bit of something we can throw out there for those kind of, um, one-off scenarios. So, look at that also when you're figuring out what your percentage is. So it's kind of a balancing act. You got how much, how much base do I want? How much commission am I going to pay? And then what am I going to leave that's at my discretion or, um, you know, whether you're the owner or the manager of that person, what are, we, what are you going to keep as your discretionary fund? Um, so if you can visualize that, it's really like three balls. Does that make sense, Brian? Yep. Yep. Okay. Sure does, yep. So, yeah, so to um, let's talk a little bit about like the bonus piece of it, because um, that can get really um, that can that can be a lot of fun. I don't know. Did you guys ever play any games at, at the dealerships that you worked at? I'm trying to. Hmm. Good question. I can't. Off the. Th- I mean, it's been a many sleeps since I worked at them. But <laughs> I can't remember any of those. Uh, sort you know, like any sort of keeping it fun and, and getting people in the competitive spirit. You know, I think that makes perfect sense, but I can't remember, I can't remember doing any, any of the places I worked through those years. You know, unfortunately that's, that's more common than, than not common that we don't really think about that part of what we do because we get stuck in the grind and we just do what we do. But our salespeople, and I, I think of everybody in the, really in the dealership as a salesperson. I don't care if you're sure. the service counter, the parts counter. I don't care if you're the parts manager, the service manager, the general manager. You should be selling something, whether it's the dealership, yourself, um, or a physical thing. Mm-hmm. It, you're selling. So if we keep, if we keep like uh, these you know, competitions, fun uh, bits and pieces going in the dealership, then the customers see that and uh, it's a fun environment. So you know, for staff, uh, like sales staff or parts staff. Um, and I, since I was more involved in the sales department, I think of I tons of sales games that I played when I was a uh, uh, GSM and um, things like um, somebody, a uh, salesperson basically gets a, uh, a playing card every time they get a customer to uh, do a certain behavior. Let's say um, sit, if they sit the customer down at their desk and we start talking about numbers, then at the end of that uh, little interaction, they get a playing card. And you keep those playing cards up um, at the sales tower. And basically what you do at the end of the day is you're playing poker. Mm-hmm. So 
each salesperson gets a certain number of cards through uh, sitting people down throughout the day. At the end of the day, they look at their hand and whoever has the best hand of poker um, gets the spit for the day. And you know, it's a hundred dollars or $200 or whatever, but it keeps them focused and having fun and competing with each other to see how many sit downs they can get. Or um, you can go right, you can go right to the absurd. I always like the ones that are really weird and funny um, behaviors like getting the customer to put their knee on the ground. So if you can get a customer to put their knee on the ground, <laughs> you show, have showing them skid plates all day. Like you gotta, you gotta check out oh, this undercarriage, check this kid. There's, they don't build them like this down the street at the other dealership. No, you're, you're <laughs> right though, because what that does though, is that demonstrates two things. Number one, you have the ability to take control of what the customer does. Right. And it also shows that if the if the salesperson can do that, they can also earn the right to ask them for more money. They've earned the right to, you know, ask them about their kids and their family. And because you can't just tell somebody, you know, walk up to somebody and say, hey, man, put your knee on the ground. Like, that doesn't work. You have to build some rapport first, right? My bonus relies um, on you putting your knee on the ground, dude. I need a different <laughs> salesperson. You're the wrong one. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not fair. That's not within the rules, right? But um, you could, you know, any kind of games like that are great to play with your with your people. You know, if you've got, um, if you have an overstock of, uh, let's say, a rye helmet, right? You spiff your uh, parts people and you say, okay, well, we're going to play a game today and we're going to we're going to put money in envelopes. And you're not going to know how much money's in the envelope. There's anywhere from a one dollar bill to a $50 bill in every envelope. And there's a total of, you know, 200 bucks. Mm -hmm. And every time you get a customer to put an awry helmet on their head, uh, you're going to get an envelope. And at the end of the day, we're all going to sit around and we're going to open our envelopes and we're going to see how much money we got. So it's, it's stuff like that, that makes, that's where that little, when I said you want to hold a little bit back, mm -hmm. that becomes just a really fun little bit of, of payroll that you've already kind of included or accounted for that you want to use up. So mm -hmm. the key is not to go to the owner at the end, you know, at the, say the beginning of the day and say, Hey, if you got extra money, I can give away. No, that's part of your payroll. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what should be included right up front. With, I'm going to give away this much money to my people. You know what um, else I think of when you're, when you're discussing that, I, I think of one step, maybe beyond, and you're probably familiar with maybe people doing it. I've never seen it, but I know sometimes those who are direct contact with the customers that we have in these locations, sometimes they get a discretionary fund for something. Maybe it's to get a gift for a customer or to whatever, you know, it's some extra sort of soft money. But I wonder if these behavioral setups, it could be like, you know, here's something for you and here's something for a customer that you can put in the, put in your little back pocket and whatever you threw in something of this value, um, you know, that way it's a win-win for that, that person. And obviously they win at the, at the point of transaction to, to gain or give further value without it, you know, affecting the profitability of a unit or a sale. Uh, but I just think that, I love yeah. It. yeah, I haven't seen that done, but I love it. That's, uh, that's, and that's the kind of like thinking, and I hate the term thinking outside the box because, yeah, <laughs> insinuate there's a box, right? You know, <laughs> but but, yeah. but thinking just um, beyond the normal things that we do. The box could really be, the box could just be the dealership. It's the box, and the thinking yeah. outside of it is thinking outside of what we have been doing. That's what that's in the box thinking. What we've done, 
right? So it's anything yep. that we haven't done. Let's make it that. Then it doesn't sound as bad because I also think that the thinking out of the box, you get people like wincing when you say it. I assume I do. <laughs> I assume people do that yep. if I say it. But yeah, you're right. It's it's something that's yep. legit description, but. Yeah, but it's uh, just, you gotta, when you're coming up with this kind of stuff, you want to really get creative with it and figure out, okay, well, how do I get my staff? And this is whether it's your manager and it's your staff or whether you're a general manager and it's your managers. How do I get them excited and doing what I want them to do? Mm-hmm. And that's really, when a pay plan works well, that's what it does. It encourages them to do what they need to do. It rewards them when they do it. And it penalizes them when they don't um, in some way. So yep. the, the little extra little games and things like that are just uh, an extra bonus to the general design of a pay plan like that. Um, so that kind of went off on a rant, but that's, that's an important piece that a lot of dealerships don't take into account, you know? Um, so if we have, so if we've, if we've decided we want to pay a person and I'm just going to pull some numbers out of the air so that we've got something to talk about. Mm-hmm. So let's say that we're going to pay this person or we want to pay him um, $50,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to make $10,000 a year uh, their base and the other 40, we need to come up with a percentage. So um, uh, for round numbers, let's say that uh, we've decided for a hundred, we want to give away um 20 bucks a week or uh, hold that for the discretionary or $50 a week for the discretionary piece. So that comes off of it. Um, so the balance that we're left with, what we want to do is go back to the beginning where we designed, where we looked at how much income there is to the department based on the behaviors. We want to look at say that um, hundred thousand dollars that we're bringing in and what percentage of that do I need to pay in order to get to the number of uh, the payroll number I, I want to get to. Okay. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to leave that up to everybody who's listening <laughs> to come up with the math there, but it's not, it's, it's just taking those pieces. How much do I want to pay minus my base? What percentage of my income do I need to pay to get to that number? Um, and once you've done that, so that's, um, that's not the hard part. Okay. The, the tricky part now is you, you want to make sure you're not under or overpaying, um, based on performance changes. Cause we've made some assumptions here that we are going to hit certain goals and we've de- developed the entire pay plan around them hitting certain numbers at this point in time. Right. Does that make sense, Brian? Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens inevitably with pay plans, if we don't do kind of a double check on this stuff, is that we get somebody in, we set up a pay plan, everything's great, but their performance is not going to be exactly what we planned on. So if they underperform, what we need to do is take that number and cut it down to what is the bare minimum acceptable performance and what does that pay them? So we want to make sure that two things, when we look at the bare minimum acceptable performance, we want to make sure that that is enough of a dip in their pay that it encourages them to go find something else to do, right? Because mm-hmm. yep. the last thing I want is somebody doing a poor, poor performance and they stay because mm-hmm. they're, they're happy with their income, right? Yep. 
Um, cause then I have to, I have to fire them and all that, which we'll do if we have to, but right. I'd rather have them leave. Um, and the other side of that is I want to make sure that Brian, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, you were talking over under. You were over under. You were you were talking about the underperformers. I was I was following you like a hawk, and sometimes my I, mind I, drifts. But you were talking under, and you said you uh, don't want to have to fire them. You let them walk away if they've underperformed. Then that's what they get. Obviously, they get the bigger stick than carrot. And then right. I think you're. I assume you are going into the other side of it. Is that where you're headed? I was. I was. I was going into the other. You side saw of something it. shiny at your house, didn't you? I, I, my coffee maker is, it's blinking at me that it's about to turn off. So yeah, I looked over at it. Um, Hey, so, we all do this. Oh my God. So you want to make sure, you know, the low end gets encourages them to leave. Right. Um, on the high end, I want to make sure that, that I'm not overpaying them. Right. That I, that we get to a performance level where they're kicking ass, which is what I want. Right. But the, the last thing I want to do is go to my top performer and say, I need to cut your pay. Right. So what is that going to do to their morale? That's a that's problem. Gonna have, <laughs> that's going to destroy their, well, it's going to destroy their morale. It may even, I mean, it may make them leave. It, it's going to definitely affect the way they perform. That is the last thing I want. So that is, that's something I see that happens every once in a while with um, somebody who really kicks ass is, they, um, they get to a level where the owner's not willing to pay that anymore. Um, and that's scary. You know, uh, the other thing about that, and this is something like, uh, from an ownership standpoint, it's hard to swallow. Sometimes if they're making exponentially more, you are also making exponentially more, you know, the smart operators out there that we work with, like they don't care how much they pay their people because that means they're making that much more. Yeah, if um, it says the pay plan is correct, you know. Well, what's the? Uh, I guess what the question I would have is, what is the? Is it then maybe some sort of? I don't want to say arbitrary because it's certainly nothing really, almost nothing's arbitrary. But is uh, so if a if a for example if a, an owner or or the management has a comp plan that they look and they say this is uh, these people are performers, but it's going to pay them too much money. Right. So mm-hmm. at what point does that become you've, you know, if, if you've got something or right, where you've set it up and it kind of, let's call it, it throttles somebody like, I think of like the cell phone companies that give you slower data. It's unlimited, but it's slower, you know. Um, right. What would be a reason why an owner would do that? I guess, and I'll only ask that because I'm curious to unwrap that puzzle and, and, and rewrap it up the right way. Is it, do they do that because it's a perception of that's more than I made in that role or where do you feel like that would come from? Yeah. And that's usually, um, you know, ownership. It's funny because if you own a company, you're not guaranteed anything, right? Sure. You're not guaranteed any paycheck. You're you, there are years where business owners don't take any money out. Um, and sometimes it's hard to pay somebody sometimes more than what you're making, mm-hmm. um, in order to perform, even if they're performing at an exceptional level. So yeah, sometimes ego gets involved. Sometimes it's, you know, um, they're making more than I am or they're making more than I did. Um, it may be a situation where, I mean, shoot, I've seen sales managers that made more than GMs, um, because their department is running like it should and maybe parts and services not. So 
Well, you work the if you were if you're yeah I don't know if you're savvy enough to work the comp plan that was given you like right in this yep. case right. I'd like to think if I was sitting there and and it was my plan that I had overlaid and people are crushing it right. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact that if if I've left some loophole, dang it, next year I got to fix that loophole right. But ultimately, if it's not some sort of loophole where you're like I did not consider that that is costing us money, you know. Other than that, I would think that that person not only is is earning feeling sort of uh you know they're they're feeling exactly in the zone you know on doing their deal um i think that'd be a hard one but i, I know that mm-hmm. it happens and then of course the retool of a comp plan where all of a sudden it's like huh that's gonna not work as for me as good you know i, I guess that mm-hmm. it, maybe it's a perception or a bit of a hang-up that you have as you're overlooking that but the yep. negatives can be big from that yeah and it's um yeah, it's just a hard one to go through. Now, what I will say is some, there are there's some situations, especially for new people getting into 20 clubs, and they realize, hold on a second, so I'm paying somebody you know, a flat or an hourly when I shouldn't. I really want to go to some sort of a comp plan. And um, that can be tricky to do, especially if the person is looking at it going, well, I get a guarantee, and now you want me to risk my pay? Um so, you know, owners will go in, they'll develop a comp plan of sorts. Um, then we see this specifically with um, service departments. That's probably the most common because um, a lot of techs get paid an hourly and, and we really recommend you go to a flat rate where the tech, basically, if they complete the jobs faster than the time that the customer is paying for, they still get paid an hourly as if they had spent that amount of time on the job. Okay, Does that so, make sense? Yeah, the book rate. The book rate, right. Yeah, so they're, they're, so they're working care. it faster, but still getting the book rate. Bingo. And that that is um, one of those things. And what we find, the way that works best, if you do have to change a comp plan, um, and you really are trying to do something that is in the best interest of the employee, which hopefully everybody is, if you run those plans side by side, you know, the old plan, the new plan, um, and you can show the employee that if they work their butt off, they'll make more money on the flat rate plan versus the hourly. Um, that is a really effective way to make a change like that um, in your pay plan and let the employee decide, you know, which plan do I want to be on? And with, of course, when I say that, what I mean is you're going to encourage them to go in the right, the right direction, obviously um, the direction you want them to go, but they ultimately, um, can have the choice as to whether they want to make more money or not, you know, mm-hmm. um, with a comp plan change. So the, the trick is always to, when you're changing your comp plan, if you have to, is um, run side by side and let them see the difference between the two comp plans and, um, and see what makes them the most money. Because um, usually with comp plans, when you're making a change, it's from some sort of hourly or um, performance to like a something where they can make some commission and if they just work a little bit harder they'll make a whole lot more money on the commission side mm-hmm. yeah, um yeah risk reward deal right and you get yeah. somebody to see the opportunity that's there and if they're not a total yeah. slug they they would at least consider it and you know if they've got an option yeah well and at that point you know that might be a good indicator that if they tell you well i don't really want to work any harder i really want to stay on my hours <laughs> Are you, hmm. is this a union shop? <laughs> yeah, that's, I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been there, done that. Yeah. 
I, I can tell you that I've worked. I can tell you that I've worked in my life as a younger man, two different opportunities. I worked for just excellent in, in terms of what people's perception was. Oh, these wonderful uh, companies. This is back in the Northeast where I grew up that were union places that people went to, to retire from. It's the best job you can get in the area sort of thing, or, you know, work your way into it. And it yeah. was union. And I can tell you, I was never, I mean, I didn't work there for a whole long, a long time at either one, but I can tell you that um, it's to me, it's soul crushing to be at a place where you should slow down and get, you know, less work done for the same money or you're a fool. I'm, I'm like, I'm the opposite. You know, I'm a little too high strung maybe for that, but I think that's soul crushing in that way too. And it takes creativity away from people that they all have inherently. So, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I've, I've had the, I had a family member who was going to work for a uh, house cleaning service and actually got fired on the second day um, because he was doing too much too and working fast. too hard. Oh my God, that's yeah, too bad. He was, he was vacuuming cushion underneath the cushions when, you know, like they, the maid service didn't want to do that. They didn't want to work, you know, give that level of service because they wanted to get in and out fast. It was just, yeah. He called me. I was just like floored. Yeah, that's, that sounds about right, though. Well, yeah, good, good to learn on day one, right? Get get out of that organization that doesn't share the same uh, mentality as yep. you. That's that's also. <laughs> and we yep. we can maybe come back to that in another one. I know you had told me uh, you yep. don't mind maybe uh, lining up for some other uh, topics that I've got questions on that you probably interact with uh, frequently, and and one of those might be uh, you know to do with uh, hiring the right people, or on the other end, the yep. employee uh, determining if it's a fit at a particular organization i'd love to if you you know if i think you had said that yeah. hopefully we can find some of those jump back on i know you and i talked about keeping these short we uh we are on the back half of this at 26 minutes that'll put this at approaching uh, 40 45 minutes so if you want to end Very it here cool. um let's plan to get together on another one and yeah, I'll, I'll share your uh, your contact info in the show notes so that anybody okay. listening to this um, can directly contact you, ask questions if they got questions about garage composites or what we talked about here today. I'll make sure they've got a direct line to you. That sounds great. Well, cool. Thanks for jumping on, Steve. Yeah, thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. Okay, we'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks. Thanks.